So my whole life, up until I want to say I was 18, I grew up playing hockey. That's the sport that I uh, you know, grew up around. Other members of my family played the sport. It was always on the TV at my home. So it was very much embedded in my upbringing. But through that time that I played hockey, I always had a curiosity and an interest towards basketball. Whether I would walk past my school gym, I'd see a game of five on five playing. There was always something very exciting about the sport, but I never kind of did anything with that curiosity. I never tried to play on my local high school team or anything. I wouldn't have been good enough to play anyways. But uh, I always just kind of was a, a casual fan, I guess, from afar. But I'd say around the age of 16 is when my interest for the sport really started to grow. I started to play outside more at my local park. I would uh, watch the game more. And as this interest for basketball really started to increase, my interest in hockey started to decrease. And then I'd say, when, when you've never watched a particular sport, whether that's you know basketball, for example, hockey, football, soccer, you'll tend to want to watch the best players, right? Because those are the stars. Those are the main attractions. So right out the gate, I was immediately a fan of LeBron James. He was just a very exciting, thrilling player to watch, whether it was his tomahawk dunks in transition or his no-look skip passes. There was just something very exciting about watching him play. It was very Magic Showtime-esque in terms of his style of play. And at that time, he played for the Cleveland Cavaliers. So I was like, okay, I'm a fan of LeBron. He plays for the Cavs. I'm going to root for this team. And, you know, my friends and, 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 you know, people around me would often make fun of me for it. All in good fun, of course, because I, I'm from Toronto, Ontario. And uh, I've never really been a fan of the Raptors. So uh, I was very, I was kind of on this lonely island in terms of, you know, there's other LeBron fans that live in Toronto, of course. There's Le LeBron fans everywhere. But uh, I, I wasn't a Toronto Raptors fan, so uh, often my friends would poke fun at that. But anyways, so I said, the Cavs are my team. This is my squad. I'm going to root for them. I, of course, I became a fan of not only, Bron not only LeBron, but Kyrie Irving, Iman Shumper, Kevin Love. I rooted for all these guys. And then 2018 free agency came, and uh, there was a lot of rumors from the season before that uh, LeBron was going to leave to the Lakers. And uh, that started to become more likely as the season continued on. And then, of course, free agency came and he left to the Lakers. Now, right away, people in my life were asking me, are you a Lakers fan now? And I said, no, 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 absolutely not. The Cavs are my team through and through. I'm going to watch LeBron, of course. I'm going to you know, watch his highlights every now and then. But the Cavs are my team that I'm going to root for forever. That changed pretty quick. <laughs> the Cavs became arguably the worst team in the league at that point. Because, of course, LeBron left. And uh, I think at that time they had drafted uh, Colin Sexton, who's a great player, by the way. I like watching him play. Plays with a lot of energy. But they were one of the worst teams. They were a lottery team. And... Uh, they weren't a very exciting team to watch, needless to say. But the Lakers were. The purple and gold, Hollywood. Now you got LeBron James in that equation. 
And uh, of course, LeBron off the court is a very uh, business savvy individual. You know, whether if you look at his uninterrupted brand with Maverick Carter or his production company, Spring Hill Entertainment. So I think Lakers, Hollywood, LA, Tinseltown, it's a perfect blend, right? I think, I think that all fits together very well with LeBron. So my interest started to sway away from the Cavs and I started to pay more attention to LeBron and the Lakers. And then I, and then with my time as a Cavs fan, I bought gear, right? If any, if any of you are watching who, you know, who know me, or if any of you are, you know, people that I know personally, like some of my friends and you've played basketball with me, you've probably seen me wear my Cavs Cavaliers tank top. So I was very committed as a fan to that team. I bought, I spent money on that team buying gear. And then I basically did the same thing with the Lakers. It, it was a gradual process, but eventually I just became a full-on Lakers fan. And I just packed up the bags, jumped ship, hopped on the Lakers bandwagon. And then I bought Lakers gear. <laughs> I bought a Lakers, you know, whatever tank top. I have Lakers jerseys up in my closet. If I open up my closet in there, I, I could show you. Um, so I was very much a committed Lakers fan. And then often people notice that. A lot of my friends said, what happened to the Cavs? And I always just kind of said like, uh, I, I sort of just dodged the question. And I was like, I'm a Lakers fan now. And LeBron is still with the Lakers. But if you're, if you're not even a Lakers fan, I think everybody knows that the Lakers and the Clippers inevitably are going to be rivals. They're two teams in the same city. Now, when I say rivals... You know, in terms of competitive play, it's always been the Lakers over the Clippers. You know, th throughout the decades, the Clippers have always been one of the worst teams in the NBA. Of course, they've never won a championship, and it was always embarrassing when the Clippers had to play at Staples Center because they would often have to hide the Laker championship banners with whatever pictures of some Clipper players. Uh, you know, during the Lob City era, they would hide the Laker banners with pictures of Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, uh, Chris Paul. JJ Redick. So of course, that was very embarrassing for that franchise. But once LeBron showed up, then the, then the Clippers started to be to, to get better. They have a very well established front office with Lawrence Frank as the GM. I think Jerry West is also a uh, consultant on on uh, you know consultant. I'm sure he's very much involved with the team. So they have a great foundation. The Clippers. And then they got Kawhi Leonard a year after he, not even the, less than a year after his championship with the Raptors. They signed him. There, were, there was room, very similar to when LeBron, you know, was rumored to leave the Cavs and go to the Lakers. We heard all those rumors for Kawhi. Everybody, everybody kind of knew Kawhi was going to leave the Raptors to go to the Clippers. I think even people uh, said that they said that there, there was a uh, uh, Clipper like scouts that were attending Raptor games. So they were laying the seeds to get Kawhi. And I think Kawhi always kind of wanted to go to the Clippers. However, there was for a short period of time in free agency, there was a lot of you know rumors that if the Clippers weren't going to get Paul George, Kawhi was going to go to the Lakers because he also had meetings with Magic in the front office and Rob Palenka of the Lakers. But anyways, I'm getting off, off track from my bandwagoning story here. So I, during this time when I was rooting for the, for the Lakers, I hated on the Clippers. 
I hated on Paul George, right? Not Paul George the person, but just the basketball fan, right? I would always make fun of the Clippers and that, you know, whatever criticism of them happened a lot during their bubble series when they uh, when they almost choked their 3-1 lead to Dallas. And then, of course, they really choked that 3-1 lead to the Denver Nuggets. So not only me, the whole internet was making fun of the Clippers. But for some reason, right, I, at that time, I was the biggest Clippers hater probably in the world. Okay, maybe not. But I made fun of the Clippers a lot. Being a Lakers fan, I didn't like the Clippers. But for some reason, the Clippers always had my attention. And I and the reason why is because of their identity, their brand, rough riders, not afraid to get their hands dirty, right? Hard work, grind. And that was something that for some reason really attracted me. It was not so much of the players on the team. It was the Clipper, what it means to be a Clipper, that identity, their that their their mission statement. And then if you look at the Lakers on the other hand, they're more like as I mentioned Hollywood, movie star. And for some reason, the identity of the Clippers always became exciting for me. And then I slowly started to become a fan of them. I would watch they they had this little uh docu series that they would do documenting their whole regular season. And I would watch every episode. They would show, you know, practice footage and, and they would show them in the team huddle with Ty Lu giving them, you know, kind of, uh, you know, tips and tricks and things like that. I, I don't know why. I was just super invested. And then one day I sat back and I was thinking like, oh my God, am I a fucking Clippers fan? I used to shit on this team. But for some reason, I cannot keep my eyes off them. And then I went to my, I went to a couple of my friends' house one day and I said, guys, I got to tell you something. And they were like, what? What is it? I was making, I was probably being way over dramatic about this too. Um, and I said, guys, I think I'm a Clippers fan. And they were like, what? As anybody would react that way. If you know me and you know how much I used to make fun of the Clippers, they're like, get the fuck out of here. You're joking. Nope. I think I'm a Clippers fan. <laughs> so, to this day, I still am very much a Clippers fan. So, to kind of, you know, round up this discussion, I've bandwagoned from, for three different teams. I started off as a Cavs fan, went to the Lakers, then I went to the Clippers. Their biggest arch rival right now. And there was other things that were attracting me as a Clippers fan. was just the fact that there aren't many Clipper fans. Right? There's You can go to every part of the world. You'll find a Lakers fan. But I've met very, very few Clipper fans out there. Actual Clipper fans. And there's probably even less Clipper fans in Los Angeles. Forget Toronto where I'm from. So I was like, you know what? It'd be kind of exciting to be in this small group of fans. 
And another thing that really excited me about the Clippers was that, and really kind of pulled me in, was that they're getting their own arena. I think they actually, they bought the the land property of the Forum, which is where the Lakers used to play back when Magic and, and you know, Kareem and, and that, you know, dynasty era of the Lakers, they all played at the, uh, at the Forum. And I think the Clippers bought the Forum and I think they've torn it, apart inside out and now they're building their arena there so i said you know what this seems like a good time to become a clippers fan i know this is this you're probably watching this like you're probably losing respect for me and you know what if that's the case i don't really care i'm telling this story just because i think it's first of all it's just kind of funny right and as you get older I think it's important to kind of look back at maybe things, how you used to act, or maybe your your, your choices in terms of what you used to wear. If you can look back and laugh at yourself in certain areas, I think that that just shows growth. And that's kind of what I'm doing here. I'm, I'm kind of just poking fun at my own past, right, in terms of my fandom for the NBA. Now, this bandwagoning that I'm talking about, this is only for the NBA. When it comes to hockey, I have always been a Leafs fan. I have never swayed away from that because my whole family grew up as Leafs fans. I used to have NHL Game Center. I would stay up every night and watch the Leafs play. And I sat, I'll never forget, I sat through, I literally was in tears back in, I don't even know, I think like 2013 or something, when the Leafs choked that Game 7 third period to the Boston Bruins. I think they had a... It was, they were up like 4-1. Everybody thought that was it. We're going on to the next round. And, of course, they lost. And the rest is history. I'm not going to go into that. Back to here. So, am I still a fan of LeBron is probably what you're wondering. Because now I'm a Clippers fan. Yes, I always will. I have had countless debates with fans. Or, not fans. With friends, rather. About, you know, the GOAT conversation. I believe still do, that LeBron James is the best player of all time. Now, I'm not going to get into my reasons why. That literally would... That is a whole other podcast in and of itself. And if you want to see that, let me know. I'll invite one of my, you know, fellow basketball, you know, friends that knows a lot about the game, that knows a lot about the history, someone that can actually challenge me in a conversation like that. Who knows? Maybe I'll bring them on the show. And we can have a nice friendly debate. Let me know if you'd be interested in seeing that. But yes, I am still a fan of LeBron. I always will. That that will never change. I, I can I can guarantee you that. I'm always going to be a fan of LeBron. Um, but yes, I am a Clippers fan. After buying Cavs gear, after buying Laker gear, I haven't bought any Clipper gear, not yet. Maybe I will at some point. But uh, soon enough, I'm going to have every single team in the, in the NBA in my wardrobe. I'm kidding, obviously. Um, but for people that have known me, it probably sure seems like that. So yes, a fun little discussion to kind of wrap this up. I'm a fan of the Clippers now. And uh, I'll admit, it took me a while, but I'll admit, objectively... I guess I am considered a bandwagoner. And you know what? I will wear that title with pride on my sleeves and uh i thought it'd be a fun little discussion to have but um let me know what you guys think are there any clipper fans out there that could be watching 
If you are, let me know. Or do you even consider me a Clippers fan? Um, but yeah, moving on to the next headliner. So I want to say on episode 17, I think it was, I discussed how there was, you know, reports and rumors that we could be getting a second Joker. But now it's official. Todd Phillips, the director, has posted a picture of the front cover of the script for the next Joker film. And then there was another picture of Joaquin, I assume, reading the script. So we are officially getting a Joker sequel. And I have some thoughts about that. Now, the title on the script... Excuse my French, by the way, because I don't, I can't speak French, so I might butcher this pronunciation. But the title of the script is Joker Folie Adieu. Now, of course, there's been a lot of discussion about what that means. The title Folie Adieu, and from my research, that that means Folie Adieu. It means also known as shared psychosis or shared delusional disorder is a psychiatric syndrome in, in which symptoms of a delusional belief and sometimes hallucinations are transmitted from one individual to another. Now, what this, this almost sounds like some Charles Manson shit because Charles Manson had a bunch of his disciples, a bunch of young people he would prey on, you know, naive people, and he would kind of influence them with a lot of his worldviews which were obviously very delusional, very bad, and he would kind of talk to these younger people and influence them to share his views on things. And that's why he, he basically brainwashed them into committing a lot of crimes and murdering people. And that that's kind of the impression I'm getting with this. Now... You know, in this description, it talks about another individual. And that has got a lot of people speculating on, oh, this means we're going to get Batman. This means we're going to get Harley Quinn. And I think that that's, that's such an obvious, you know, idea to, to conjure. But I, I, I think that we really don't know what that means. And I think Todd Phillips... It's, he's, he's probably seen people say that, and he's probably sitting back laughing. I think we have no idea who this under who this other other individual could be that they're that this is referring to. Now, what I think it could be is that towards the end of Joker, we see that he's he's got all these people that are now fans of his, and I think there's probably one individual in this sort of new line of whatever followers that the Joker has that probably becomes so much of a fan of his that he wants to be directly involved with Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. And I think Joaquin will probably, as I mentioned with Charles Manson, with that comparison, I think Joaquin will brainwash this individual into, you know, being his right-hand man or, or whatever. I'm just coming up with shit off the top of my head. I have no idea. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's as obvious as it seems. Maybe we'll we'll get some kind of Harley Quinn version of that, not Margot Robbie, of course, but or maybe we will see Batman. I you know I can almost guarantee that's that's not gonna happen. Okay, that I can almost guarantee. Don't know that to be true. I could be wrong, but that I feel like will not happen. Now I feel that this sequel to the first Joker 
could be like the Godfather part two. Now, what do I mean by that? I don't refer to that comparison in terms of plot. I mean, in terms of the reception, there's many people, a lot of people, in fact, that consider the Godfather part two to be better than the first one to succeed it. And I think we could see that with this film. In fact, I believe that this film will be better. I have no, you know, substance to back that up. I'm just going off of what this title means. I think this could be better. And, you know, I think they've wanted to make the sequel. Now, I know there was some, you know, quotes of Todd Phillips saying that this is very much a singular story. But there was many other interviews when I saw Joaquin discussing his relationship with Todd Phillips saying, if we could, me and Todd would still be filming today. So I think there is and there has been an interest. And if we look at just the box office success, you know, you make a film for about $50 million, it pulls in a billion dollar return. That's going to, you know, start some conversation for a potential franchise. Now, are we going to see a third film? I'm not going to look that far into the future, but I think this is very, very exciting. And uh, it's official now from the director himself. Glad to see he is returning. Glad to see Joaquin is returning. Joaquin, is he's doing a, he's doing a film right now with Ari Aster called Disappointment Boulevard. For those of you who don't know who Ari Aster is, he's the guy who directed uh, Hereditary in Midsummer. So I'm very curious to see what that film is going to look like. And uh, let me know what you guys think. Are you excited for another Joker film? One thing I will say, though, and don't take this the wrong way. I, I very much like the Joker film with Joaquin Phoenix. However, I, I don't actually look at that film as a comic book adaptation of the Joker. I look at it more as a study of a man, you know, breaking bad, essentially, you know, losing grip, losing his grip with reality, shattering. That's how I, I I look at it as a, as a character study of a broken man. That's how I look at, at the Joker. It's a character study of a broken man named Arthur Fleck, who kind of becomes you know, and, and shares similarities and qualities to, of course, the comic book character known as, known as the Joker. And uh, even his suit doesn't entirely resemble the Joker. Now, it doesn't have to be exactly comic book accurate, but what I believe to be, what I believe could happen with this second film, the sequel, is that I think they are going to sway even further from the actual Joker clown prince of crime that we all know. And I think this is going to sway even farther away from that and become even more of a character study and show even more sort of storytelling of how mental illness can really affect somebody if they aren't treated. That's what I think. You know, let me know if you guys agree with that. Let me know if you're excited for this sequel. Now, Deadpool 3 is eventually going to be coming to the MCU. Now, of course, the first two Deadpool films, that was, that was when the Deadpool character and the rights were owned by Fox. So, of course, you know, you couldn't have any references to other characters in the MCU or see any other characters 
in the MCU share the screen with Deadpool. He can make jokes about other X-Men characters, of course, which we often heard. But now, well, it's been a few years now, but Disney has bought the rights to all the Fox characters. And of course, in that umbrella, under that umbrella, is Deadpool. So the writers have been discussing how they've been hard at work writing this film, and there's been a lot of speculation that A, will Deadpool 3 still be rated R, or will it be, uh, you know, the term I'm hearing a lot of people say is, will it be Disney-fied, or will Disney just let, let them go all out? And I think we might have the answer to that question. So the writers explain how Disney has been fully supportive of their, you know, creative and writing process. They've explained how fans shouldn't worry about the R rating. And that makes me very, very excited because I can only imagine what kind of jokes we're going to hear. You know, I, I imagine we'll hear stuff of, you know, Deadpool saying things like, uh, you know, I wanted to make jokes about all these stupid Cape Crusaders, but I couldn't because, you know, Disney didn't have the rights or some some bullshit like that, you know. Uh, I only imagine they're gonna break the fourth wall as we've as we've seen with the other Deadpool films. The fourth wall breaking is going to be fucking hilarious, and it's good to know that you know Disney is showing support in this R rating. Now, there's different degrees of R rating, but bottom line, I think we're gonna get it. I, I think we're going to to still keep that R rating, and I think the biggest reason why is because look. Disney's seen the success that Deadpool's had. It's over a billion dollar franchise if you include both films, their domestic box offices. So, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Just bring them in. And now you have an even more substantial sandbox to play with. You could reference other characters. Hell, there might even be other Avengers now that will show up in this Deadpool film. And I would love to see that. Let me know what you guys think. Are you excited to know that we're likely going to maintain the integrity of that raunchy humor with Deadpool. Are you excited for that? Or would you have liked to see a different approach? Because there's been a lot of people that have said, you know, how is Deadpool, the Deadpool that we know thus far, how is that character going to transition and share the screen with the other Avengers? How will that be done? Are they going to, you know, neuter the character for lack of a better term? Are they going to tone him down? And I don't think we're going to get that at all. I think we're going to, if anything, I think we could get even more wild than we saw with the first two Deadpools. But let me know what you, you guys think. Are you excited for that? Let me know in the comments below. The next headliner is Winning Time, the new HBO exclusive TV show. I've heard a lot of people talking about how great this show is. I watched the John Campia show and they've discussed very much how this is a fantastic show. In fact, I think John Campia said you know, in his opinion, of course, is the best show on TV. So my expectations were very high heading in. And, you know, as we discussed, you know, we talked a lot about basketball and the Lakers were kind of coming back to that because the winning time TV show was all about the formation of that whole Showtime dynasty, how it shows the process of Jerry West initially buying the Lakers to, you know, turning the forum into this mega attraction. He installed a club. And then he just had all these different things to entice people to want to come watch the Lakers play. And then, of course, we see other people like Jerry West. We see Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. We see Magic. And this cast is incredible. Let me just kind of go over this cast. So we have John C. Riley playing uh, Dr. Buss. Jason Clark playing 
uh, Jerry West and uh, Adrian Brody playing Pat Riley, Sally Field playing Jerry West's mom, Quincy Isaiah playing Magic, who looks is a spitting image of young Irving Magic Johnson. Then we have Rob Morgan, and uh, I forget who Rob Morgan is playing. But um, anyways, I want to first talk about John C. Riley as Dr. Buss. He's fantastic. Now, I, I've heard there's there's a lot of disputes behind the scenes that Adam McKay, the director of the show, initially was going to have Will Ferrell play Dr. Buss. And if you're familiar with Adam McKay and Will Ferrell, they have a long working history together. The other guys... Super bad. All kinds of films with them working alongside each other. And so does John C. Riley. Super bad, or not super bad, Step Brothers with Will Ferrell was another film that he did, of course, with Adam McKay. And then apparently there was some dispute and some misunderstanding that Will Ferrell thought he was going to be Dr. Buss, but then Adam McKay decided to go with John C. Riley. So now apparently that relationship is, uh, you know, not treading on, is, is treading on thin ice is the best way I can put it. Between Will Ferrell and Adam McKay. But I have no problem with John C. Riley playing Dr. Buss. I think his betrayal is fantastic. He looks the part. Uh, he, uh, Dr. Buss has been described as a very ecstatic, high-energy individual. A lot of charisma. And I think John C. Riley just represents that. And his performance of that is perfect. Jason Clark is Jerry West. Now, I don't know a lot about Jerry West, obviously the person. I mean, I don't know a lot about any of these individuals personally. But from what I've seen from afar on television and in interviews, Jerry West has always striked me as a very calm, sort of tamed individual. However, in this show, Jerry West is... Uh, the performance that Jason Clark gives, who, by the way, is, is great, but he seemed to be... He seems like he was very hot-headed, very... A very explosive individual. Now, I'm curious as to how accurate that really is to how Jerry to how Jerry West actually was during this time. Was he like this performance that Jason Clark is giving, or was he a little less, you know, a little more reserved? I'm curious to that. Up next is Adrian Brody playing Pat Riley. I'm also curious. Is Adrian Brody's portrayal of Pat Riley is that accurate to how Pat Riley actually was. And the same thing for Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Kareem is, is kind of seen like a little bit of a dick, to be quite honest. In this, I'm only five episodes in, objectively, so I maybe that arc changes. But he kind of seems like he's a little bit of an asshole. He, he's, he's the leader of this team. And he's, you know, taking off, you know, he's sitting on the sidelines during certain drills. He's not, he's not fully invested and fully participating in it. Um... But I, I will say I do like the performance that the actor gives of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I think he looks a lot like him. Now next, Isaiah Thomas, or Isaiah Thomas, Quincy Isaiah, who plays Magic. I think he is probably the best part of the show. And uh, I'm curious if there... Now I know in the first episode, I, I think we're seeing him shortly after the diagnosis of HIV. So I wonder if they're going to... I imagine they're going to fully explore that pathway but we can see that uh he was a very uh reckless individual in terms of uh you know his uh sexual you know decision making he slept with a lot of women probably unprotected sex so 
He was a uh, he was a partier. Let's just say that, and so was a lot of people in in this show and in this series. Doctor, we were immediately introduced to to Jerry West, and he's waking up after you know partying in the Playboy Mansion, sleeping with probably multiple different women. So, but other than that, so they, obviously they show a lot of the behind the scenes activity between a lot of these basketball players and a lot of these other people, but Magic himself. I think, like I mentioned, very charismatic individual can light up a room. You know, he's always known to smile, and I, I and he breathe, breathes a lot of positive energy. And I think, excuse me, I think the actor who plays him does a great job illustrating that to us, the audience. Here's the thing about this show that I'm just I didn't expect when I first heard that this was going to be like a series and it was going to document the the story of how the Lakers dynasty was created. I thought it was going to be very much uh, like the format that we saw with um, with The Last Dance. It's very, very much like a documentary. And I thought it was just going to be interviews with, uh, you know, Jeannie Buss, Magic, of course, Kareem, like from right now. And, and I thought it was going to be interviews of them recalling stories from this time, but not actually seeing it being acted out in a performance. Beautiful, beautifully, as we're seeing with this. Like, Adam McKay is a fantastic director. I mean, I've talked about how I'm not the biggest fan of Succession, but I can understand that a lot of people love that show, and I've, I'm have i a huge fan of as many other movies he's, he's you know, directed, written, produced. Uh, I love The Big Short. That's one of my favorite Adam McKay films. So, this was a lot more different than I expected it to be, but all for the right reasons. And, you know, the cinematography makes this show, makes you feel like you're stepping inside the 70s and the 80s. They often film it, you know, to look very kind of grainy to resemble, you know, how a lot of things looked in, in terms of how, you know, how film and television looked from back in that era. In fact, when I was watching this show the other day, I had people in my family kind of walking by the living room saying like, what, what are you watching? This looks like it's what you know. It looks like it's from the seventies and in, in, in the eighties. And I was like, no, it's a, it's a it's a brand new show. It just it's made to look like that. That's how the cinematography was intended on. That's that's the that was the intention to make it look like make you feel immersed, like you feel like you are really watching this this kind of you know story unfold from this time period. Overall, I love this show. Uh, it's not like my favorite show on television but it's it certainly is one of them and i'm only on episode five and i think there's i think there's 10 episodes so i'm halfway through but uh if you've seen the show don't spoil it i mean i know you know the story of the lakers so it's really not much to spoil but let me know if you guys enjoy the show if you haven't check it out it's on hbo max if you're in the united states if you're in canada it is in canada wait if you're <laughs> i just said it i just said if you're in canada it's in canada Sorry, let me rephrase. If you're in Canada, it's on Crave. But anyways, let me know in the comments below. The final headliner for today is Miss Marvel. It's officially out on Disney Plus, and I'll be entirely honest with you. I have zero excitement for this show. And uh, I've mentioned it before. You know, I don't think the show necessarily looks... Bad. I, I just don't think that I am the intended target audience. Now, you guys know, if you've watched this show before, you know I am a huge Marvel fan, right? I've talked about Marvel 
thousands of times, not thousands, that's exaggerative, but I've, many times I've talked about Marvel. And I'm going to continue to talk about Marvel. But this show specifically, it it almost looks like, for, like, okay, Disney Plus has been coming out with a lot of exclusive content aside from Marvel and Disney. A lot of these just kind of, you know, one-off shows. Uh, very much skewed towards a younger audience. And that's kind of like the impression I'm getting with this. This looks less like a Marvel show. Like, I, I know it deals with Kamala Khan, who's obviously a very, uh, very well-known, established character with very rich history in the comics. I'm very well aware of that. I, I don't know. I just, I, I can't quite put my thumb on it. It just doesn't look very intriguing to me, personally. I will watch it at some point, but I'm not at the point where I, I, it's not like Moon Knight where I wanted to watch Moon Knight every single week. And then I was kind of disappointed by the, by the finale, but I, I don't have that same level of excitement for this. And, uh, this show could be amazing. You know, it, it could prove me wrong. And to be honest, I hope it does because one of the best feelings is when you watch something and you are pleasantly surprised with how with how good it is. And I, you know, I hope when I watch it, I hope that that's what happens for me, but I'm just going to wait till all six episodes. Cause I think it's, it's either going to be six or nine. One of those two, I think she Hulk is nine episodes. And I think Miss Marvel is six. So, and I do know that Miss Marvel Kamala Khan is going to be in the next Captain Marvel sequel titled the Marvels. So I will get around to watching the show, but I will not be watching it every week. Unless I am just getting bombarded by people telling me this is the best thing since sliced bread. And if that happens, I will check it out. Other than that, the plan for me is I'm going to wait until all six episodes are out or nine, whatever the two. I'm going to watch them all and then I'm going to talk about it on the podcast. But I don't, like I said, I don't think it looks terrible but it just doesn't look entirely interesting. It it, it, it shows, you know, the, this young girl, uh, you know, traversing through high school with these abilities. And she's obviously a fan of Captain Marvel. And it just, it looks, I'll be honest, it, it just looks very, very childish to me, at least. You know, I and I know some people would object and say, well, you know, you're a fan of Spider-Man. You know, he's, he's very... He's very uh, immature and, and, and whatnot. Like, that is true, but this is Spider-Man. We've seen Spider-Man. We've seen three generations of Spider-Man on screen. We've obviously seen Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, and now, of course, Tom Holland is a current MCU. In fact, if you want to get technical, I think probably the most childish version of the character we've seen, I think, I think is the MCU version of Spider-Man. But that's not an insult to, to Tom Holland. I very much... Love Tom Holland's Spider-Man, and I hope we continue to see him as Spider-Man for the foreseeable future. Um, but with this show, it just—I like I said—I I can't really, you know, point to one thing. I—it's I, just—it just doesn't look like it's for me, and that's okay. That's completely fine. Let me know what you guys think. Are you excited for Miss Marvel? If you've seen the first episode, tell me what you think. If 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 I hear an overwhelming amount of positive reception, maybe I'll give the first episode a try. Regardless, I will watch it. Just not, I'm just, I'm going to wait till they're all, all episodes are out. I'm just going to like binge it in one day. But if I get a lot of people telling me that this show is fucking amazing, then I'll check it out. But let me know what you guys think in the comments below. That is going to wrap up this shorter episode of Unbashful. If you stuck around for this long, 
I want to thank you for watching and listening if, uh, if you're listening. By the way, I want to remind you, if you don't have time to sit in front of your screen and watch me talk and ramble on, but you still want to listen, good news you can. Go on any audio platform of your choice, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, you know Spotify if I didn't if I didn't already say that already just type in unbashful and you'll find my channel you'll find me it's like a little black uh, squared logo with a red microphone yellow and red text that says unbashful with these like three little white you know volume looking things that illustrate that someone's speaking into the mic that's me that's unbashful so if you don't have time make sure to check out the audio only version of the show and you can listen to it in all its glory whether you're going for a walk or you're commuting to work or whatever but anyways i wish you all good health happiness and everything in between